Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's Tyler again with another episode of Sports Talk. And today, for our guest on the show, we have Jason Monday. He hit me up on Facebook, wanted to be on the show. So, uh, welcome, Jason. How's it going? Yeah, I'm here to be the uh, the analytical asshole. <laughs> okay. Well, s- <coughs> we'll see how this goes today. And I'd like to remind everybody again that uh, if you want to be on the show, go ahead and hit us up on SoundCloud or Facebook. And you can search us on Facebook at just type in the search bar at Sports Talk with Tyler. Your page will pop right up. Big, ugly, yellow logo right on top of the page can't miss it but if you want to be on the show don't be afraid to hit us up but uh with it with that we'll go ahead and get going and today i'm going to start off with uh with uh, athletes and how they're remembered and how they are publicly humiliated for maybe not even that bad of crimes like uh for example, we'll just start with one of my childhood heroes, Tiger Woods. He cheated on his wife. Everybody knows it. Everybody made a big deal about it, especially pop culture Hollywood. They had a field day with it because that's what pop culture Hollywood does. They, This actress slept with this guy, and you know that's their whole story. That's their paychecks. That's how they make their money. And then when Tiger Woods did it, one of the most beloved figures in sports, he was ten times more criticized than your regular A-list actor or famous person. And it wasn't as bad as like the Michael Vick thing. But he... All he, all, yeah, it's, all he did was sleep with another woman. And because of that, he's not in golf anymore. I mean, yeah, he's old and he's have has injuries, but he he still could have been playing at a high level if that whole situation didn't get blown out of proportion the way it was. I mean, if... Uh, if that was any other golfer that wasn't as high profile as him, it, it would have been talked about for 10 minutes and then brushed off, and nobody would ever remembered it. And nobody ever talks about how, for example, John Daly was wild and crazy and the more redneckish type, I guess you would say in the golf world and Tiger Woods did everything right except the one thing and now he's not in golf anymore and it's really sad and he lost all kinds of endorsement deals and then his wife took him for a whole bunch of money and the guy recently got arrested for DUI again which is sad but everyone blows it out of proportion like he hasn't had this pressure on him since he was five years old because he hit his first golf shot on tv when he was three so he's always been in the spotlight he was always expected to be the greatest if not one of the greatest 
golfers of all time. And if, uh, like I said, if, if anybody else were to have done that, it would have been swept under the rug. Nobody would be talking about it. But he did it. And then it's it's no comparison to, like, what Ray Rice did. Ray Rice hit his fiance or girlfriend. I don't remember which one. It, either way, his the love of his life hit her in an elevator. And you should do jail time for that. And I guess a second chance would be up to another person like it has been. But uh, if um, if he had handled it differently, like uh, Chad Johnson did, Chad Johnson got ex- accused of hitting his wife, and he played football for three, four years after that whole thing happened. And Ray Rice was immediately out of the NFL. Immediately. There was no... There was there was no hey here's a second chance or oh we'll give you a workout it's nope you're done you hit a woman you're done and I agree with that you should be punished for hitting a woman no one should hit a woman no man should hit a woman but the situations are definitely different because of oh I guess this the the way it happened i mean tiger did things to his wife and it wasn't physical it was a break of trust ray rice was actually physical so and i'll i'll say it again i don't advocate hitting women i never will but for the guy to not even have a chance to play it's a little bit sad. See, like Michael Vick, he did one of the worst, one of the worst things in in history of any superstar athlete, with the dog fighting thing, animal cruelty, all of that. He was bashed and even did jail time, and then he was allowed to play in the NFL again, but. Maybe that was just the way that he handled the situations. Maybe it was because he said sorry and owned up to his mistakes and did his time. And because of that, he was allowed allowed a second chance. And he was only, he started for the Eagles for, I think, one season. But other than that, I think he was a backup for most of the rest of his career. It's n- Nothing wrong with that. And he was one of my favorite players growing up. He he's what drew me to Cam Newton. That's why that's why I like the Panthers. Is because of Michael Vick. The way the style of play, the way he can escape the pocket and nobody can stop him was my favorite thing about Michael Vick. Even in his later years he showed flashes of the young, brilliant kid that he was that was going to take Atlanta to the Super Bowl. And he he was 
I mean, given a second chance, I guess is all I'm at. All I'm getting at. Most of these guys, some of them may not deserve a second chance in some people's eyes. Like Ray Rice, I would agree with that. He does not deserve one. But there, I'm sure there are other leagues, you know, the Canadian Football League or the European Football League or whatever that he would be allowed to play in. Maybe one day, but I doubt he'll ever play in the NFL again. Like Michael Vick did. And like I said, the situations are different, but he, maybe if he had just owned up to his mistakes, Ray Rice would be playing football still. And... Another athlete, maybe, that kind of just got the cold chill or got the brush-it-off brush treatment was Michael Phelps. He, one of the, the most decorated swimmer in Olympic history, ever. And he gets caught smoking a joint one day out of his entire career. You know, he's done everything the right way, eats right, exercises every day, you know, just cleaning house at competitions and decides to let loose one week and somebody had a camera. And he 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 just got brushed off again. Like it, it wasn't even wasn't even a big deal. It was in the news for was in the news for 10 minutes seemed like and he he had just owned it and said yeah I did it and was I'm sure I'm sure he served his suspension I don't know oh there it goes I don't know if he how long his suspension was but he did his time and finished out his career winning winning medals and Ended up retiring this this year or last year, I think it was. And people still regard him as one of the one of the greatest Olymp athletes of all time, and people still love him, even though he made one mistake. But a lot of these athletes make one mistake. Maybe it's just the magnitude of the mistake that changes the course of an athlete's career because all Tiger Woods did was cheat on his wife and then he made a terrible public apology and now he is it seems to me like he's been in a depression because he he's like I said, he got arrested for his DUI, which was pill-induced. It wasn't alcohol for medications. That to probably he, he probably took too many of them and just lost his marbles for a little while. And people will do anything to chastise an athlete as soon as they make a mistake. 
and the pressure that's on them is a little unfair to me. They, they're always in the public eye, and kids look up to them. I agree with that. Yes, you should conduct yourself professionally. But everyone makes mistakes. I mean, nobody's perfect. So sometimes you just have to let things go, I guess. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to define someone on their one mistake. I mean, if you if you did that, we'd all be in bad situations or we'd all be at the bottom, I guess. You got anything you want to add, Jason? Yeah, first off, let me say that I'm very sorry you're a Cam Newton fan. <laughs> the uh, the public bashing of celebrities, because that's what all these guys are really, is celebrities. Uh, they are athletes, but unfortunately, they are celebrities. And, uh, you know, like you said, everyone makes a mistake. You ever made a mistake? Me too. Uh, you know, they are role models, but they are also human. The problem with Tiger Woods is that he was so public and magnanimous. You know, like you're talking about John Daly. Guys like that, you know, I'm sure there's offensive linemen in the NFL that have hit their wives and been kicked out of the NFL or whatever. There's a lot of people, you know, John Daly being the uh, the epitome of problems in golf, uh, <clears throat> you know, banned for two years because of, you know, off the field issues and stuff. He has four wives that he got divorced from. He's lost hundreds of millions of dollars to them. You know, half a dozen incidents during golf tournaments, including being kicked out of tournaments, a series of off-the-course problems. You know, no one gives him grief. Every time John Daly steps up to the tee, no one goes, man, he's got four wives. <laughs> you know, remember that tournament 10, years, 10, 15 years ago in 1996 that he got kicked out of? No, no one says that. No one cares. No. You know, if, if John Daly got arrested and it came across the radio, TMZ wouldn't even care because it doesn't register to them. Uh, Tiger Woods is a celebrity. He's not just an athlete. Uh, you know, and all the troubles he's gone through. When he started playing golf, you know, like you said, when he was three, five years old, you know, he's in his 40s or 30s, late 30s. So he's been playing golf for 30 years. You know, coal miners don't get to mine coal for 30 years. Eventually their bodies break down. You know, his wife taking half a billion dollars from him. You know, I'm not worth a million dollars, and I couldn't imagine my wife taking half of everything I owned. You know, she's a vicious, vicious person, and I'm sure I'd end up with about 5% of what I own. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine going through that either. Uh, his his DUI, you know, for the pills, he was in a parked car, passed out from pills. The cop stopped him. He said, hey, I'm on pills. You know, I, I can't imagine a more innocent DUI than that. You know, he, he was in a parked car and, and they woke him up. It's not like he was doing 25 miles an hour down the interstate, you know, you know, gacked out of his mind. Yeah, or a hundred. Oh yeah. On, on pills, you know, there's a, in 2016, there was 131 million opioid prescriptions in the United States. And that accounts for 99% of the world's op opioid use. So, yeah, he's going to be on some pills. He's had two back surgeries. And a knee surgery. Yeah, and a knee surgery. I mean, 
anybody who's ever known anybody who's had a back surgery will tell you, once you've had one back surgery, you're going to have another. And you'll yeah. never be the same. So I, I, I don't even understand what this whole kerfuffle's about. I, I get it. You know, he got a DUI. But it's the most innocent thing I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, he, he's suffering, like you said, because he's a celebrity. He's did not just an athlete. The, uh, did you watch the um, 30 for 30 deal about John Daly? No, uh, I haven't. Hit it, hit it hard. You get, time, you get time, you should watch that. It's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, just, I mean, just reading, you know, you look on his Wikipedia page, and there's two or three sections about his off-the-course problems, you know, <laughs> rehab and everything else. So, uh, you know, t- touching on some of these other guys, you know, Ray Rice, you know, hit his wife, you know, yeah, that's pretty awful. Uh, you know, sh- she was his fiance at the time. She never pressed charges, never, you know, sent him to jail, never called the police, anything like that. So I'm not sure exactly what you should do there. Should he be punished? Of course. But, uh, you know, his wife didn't feel like he needed to be punished. She still married him. You know, and I know there's people out there that say, well, she was in it for the money. And it's like, well, then that doesn't make her any better than him. Yeah. You well, know? And if she's in it for the money, then it wouldn't have been. I mean, he might still be in the NFL for that. Yeah. So I, it, 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 it it's really a non-issue for me, you know. And as far as, like, Michael Phelps, same thing. You know, he smoked a joint. How many people are smoking pot in one of the eight states that it's now legal in right now, you know? <laughs> he lives in California, and it's legal there now, and it, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, despite what your thoughts are on it, it is totally legal there right now. Well, the funny thing about it is, he smoked pot and he was still cleaning house. So yeah. you know, <laughs> it doesn't well, matter. Well, you know, a lot of athletes uh in like the UFC and stuff, you know, a couple of those guys have been popped for it because they say it helps with anti inflammation and stuff like that. Yeah, and joint is, pain. Yeah, and joint pain, which inflammation is like the new hot thing for for athletes right now. Um, you know, as far as coming back, you know, Tiger Woods has had a scrappy uh comeback, so to speak, in, in golf and he hasn't performed the way he has, but, you know, bringing up Michael Vick and the dog fighting scandal, you know, that was pretty much, like you said, as bad as it could get. Yeah. He served time in a federal penitentiary. You know, he was in breach of contract. He was barred from the NFL for, I think, his whole term plus a season of football. Yeah. Uh, but he know, was right back at it after that. He, yeah. As soon as, as soon as he had the opportunity, he was training again. Yeah, and I think – the thing with uh, Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice and Michael Vick, I think the difference is Michael Vick didn't earn his way back. He clawed his way back. That's true. You know, he he, he did time on the Eagles where, uh, Jesus, what's the name of that coach? Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, really mentored him and everything. And, you know, some things about Michael Vick. Uh, I did watch a documentary on Michael Vick a couple years ago. And, you know, <clears throat> he was in breach of his contract. He never once, you know, let any of his obligations go. His wife continued to live in the same house that she lived in when he was arrested. You know, he still owned, I think most of the properties that he owned while he was in uh, the NFL, including the compound that the, the dog fighting happened in, you know, as far as everyone knew, he was never late on a bill, never filed for bankruptcy. You know, his, his business managers you know, consulted him and told him, you know, maybe we should file for bankruptcy. That would, get us out of a lot of this debt and everything else it would 
relieve your repayment on the breach of contract to the NFL, yeah. you know, which was in the sum of, I think, like $15 million, which was the yeah. remaining owed, money he, on his contract. I think he owed a bunch of money to his wife or something for, uh, I don't remember. There was some, something like like child endangerment or something that he oh, got I'm pre- sure. pressed with. Yeah. And then he owed a bunch of money to his wife for that. And, you know, he didn't – He his final years, he didn't actually – profit a whole lot from the and he owed so many people so much money from the whole situation that yeah he didn't profit from it at all yeah and you know and he had the typical nfl lifestyle he didn't he wasn't living in a two hundred thousand dollar house yeah. in atlanta you know he he was you know an nfl star and he was you know he re-emerged into the nfl and the eagles he paid back every cent he owed breach of contract bills lawyer fees everything like that instead of taking the easy route out yeah. you know and what speaks more to me is someone who screws up and owns up to every cent, you know. Yeah, it's still going. It, he, our computer uh, program's messing up. <laughs> he's made, you know, every cent back, and now he's considered a role model, yeah. you know. And really, I think that's how you handle it, you know. In that documentary, they, they did interview him, and he said, you know, I screwed up. And he was, I was a young kid, and instead of, staying in the practice center or staying at the uh, facility, you know, and, and practicing or going over plays or being the first one in on Sunday morning to look at film, you know, or Monday morning to look at film, he would fly back down to Atlanta for a three-day weekend. Yeah. And, you know, he knows that that was a mistake. And, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of people, Lance Armstrong, you know, Mark McGuire, and even Aaron Hernandez now, you know, who had much, much, much worse – you know, yeah. things happen. Uh, you know, Lance Armstrong for years denied everything, and then at the end of his career goes, oh, yeah, never mind, just kidding. <laughs> you know, yeah. what kind of role model is that? He, yeah. He's still not living up to his mistakes because his excuse is, well, everyone in cycling does it. Well, yeah. th- you know, that's the classic moniker was, if everybody jumps off the bridge, are you going to do it too? No, you don't. Yeah. You know, and Mark McGuire, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's ever admitted to juicing and stuff. But there's doctors and stuff that have come out and said, oh, yeah, we dosed him. You know, everyone was juicing. Well, he was the biggest reason why they started that, I think. I mean, I I was really really young when Mark McGuire was still in the league. So I I didn't get to see any of that. But I know that he was a major part of it. Because you don't hit, what was it, like 75 or 80 80. home runs in a season without that. I mean, you – I think the last couple of seasons, the guy that's led the league in home runs has had 45, 50, right in that area. Yeah. And he had 80. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I think this whole Tiger Woods thing is ridiculous. It's absolutely blown out of proportion. And I I honestly don't even know why it was even in the news. Yeah. Well, and it should have been, it should have been like on the table for 10 minutes and then that's it and if he comes back to golf great if he doesn't then you know we know what happened but uh you know i i'm pretty well done talking about that (laughs) i'm done talking about it too it gets me upset (laughs) yeah let's talk about uh lebron here something else that's fairly upsetting in the world of sports today okay i i i will gladly if you have something that you want to say first i'll i'll 
add to it. <laughs> uh, you know, LeBron, the MVP uh, snub. Uh, you know, the stats, just looking at it, I didn't watch all the games. You know, if you look at the stats, there's something like 68 categories over five games that uh, were put up in the finals, you know. And just just based on LeBron versus Kevin Durant, he's he's got stats higher than Kevin Durant in, like, all but four separate categories, you know, which is, I think, free throw percentages in one game, uh, three-point percentages in two games and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the times, all the commentary on those games, people are talking about how the Golden State Warriors, you know, beat LeBron James. It's like, well, I fucking hope so. You have seven guys with double-digit point scoring, you know, on an, on one team versus LeBron James. And so it's yeah. like, I would hope that that team could win that championship versus LeBron. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why they gave Kevin Durant the MVP, but it, it's most valuable player not most valuable player on the winning team. So, yeah. you know, I, I feel like it doesn't make any sense, but uh, well, they, I'm not only, a basketball fan. They've only done that the one time, like we were talking about the other day. They've only given it to Jerry West when he lost. He's the only person to lose the finals and get the MVP. And, you know, you say – it is the Golden State Warriors versus LeBron and James, which is true to a point. But you know they also have Kyrie Irving, who was just who was putting up just as much points and assists as LeBron James, because they were they were the scoring machine. They were the two players with the most points. They were both in the high 30s, low 40s, both games. And then their bench players, like Game Four, which they won, everybody, I think everybody on the bench had 10 or more points. And LeBron and Kyrie both went for 40. And that only works when your bench is good. When your bench plays outstanding, when you have guys in double figures, four or five guys on your bench in double figures, you will, you're going to win basketball games. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so now you have seven players versus two players. Yeah. I mean, that's still. Yeah. Well, I mean, Golden State was expected to win. Yeah, no doubt about it. But LeBron isn't is he's not taken out of the the goat conversation because you have to you have to get to eight finals to lose five of them and the first couple of finals or the first finals he was with in uh, Cleveland I guarantee you talk to anybody on the street today they can't name three pl- three players other than LeBron James on that Cavaliers team. I can I can only name one. That's Anderson Vergeau. Does he does he even play basketball anymore? Yeah. I mean he he just makes everyone around him better. And he was absolutely snubbed. But at the same time, if the series goes to game 6 or game 7 and they still lose. If they still lose, I, and LeBron James averages triple-double, he's the MVP. No doubt about it in my mind, and I think there would be discussion about it. But at the same time, every finals that LeBron James has played in, they give the, final, they give the MVP to whoever guards him. It doesn't matter. And like they said when the Spurs won it in 2014, I think it was, Kawhi Leonard contained him when he was still scoring 30 points a game and 10 assists and – you know, people people give him a bad rap, 
but he makes the entire team better. And I said it on the last podcast, and I'll say it. I'll say it until I. I'll say it until I die, until they put me in the ground. I will, without a doubt, say that you put him on any team in the league, the Suns, the Bobcats, the Wizards, the Timberwolves, you put him on any of those teams, they're a 50-win team, 60-win team, easy, that season, because he just he makes guys better. Do you think uh, with the – finding of the referee situation last year do you think the nba is at all fixed all there's been rumors for that for a decade oh yeah i mean how many championship series have gone to seven games uh, i don't i can't almost all of them <laughs> yeah I, mean, I can't say that off the top of my head do but you think this super team is the new way that they're fixing the nba could be could be i mean you, you could even argue that the '90s '90s era Bulls were a super team because even or the when Lakers, yeah, because you even even when Michael went and played baseball, they were still in the playoffs. They even made it to the finals. I think '95, '90, '94, '95, whichever year, the first year he started playing baseball, whichever year that was. They were a good team. I mean, Steve Kerr and Scottie Pippen and all those guys were. They were a solid team, and they made the playoffs without Michael. And Michael may have been the missing piece, you could say. But he he definitely didn't start the whole super team thing. I know that. So do you think, uh, you know, if you look at some of these teams, the Chicago Bulls, the Lakers, uh, you know, to a point, the, uh, the Knicks resurgence, do you think that – what it is is coaching and leadership or is it solely the players i mean in a case like lebron james you could make an argument for it being the players but in a case like the bulls and the lakers you know like you're saying post jordan where they had excellent coaching staff do you think it's more of a coaching issue or is it, it, it all talent be. it could be i mean it doesn't matter even lebron james needs a coach cuz I mean, he plays more minutes than anybody in the NBA. No, I mean, he plays 40-plus minutes a game. And he, he's more of like a player coach, like an on-the-floor leader. But he you still need a coach. You still need somebody to call timeouts, and you still need somebody that understands, hey, understands to not let the other team get on a 22-5 to run or a, and open up these huge quarters where they're just shooting three after three. And well, I guess that's my question because you had uh, what's his face, the coach uh, for the Lakers, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> you know, being on all three of those teams, all three during the peak of their greatness. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt to have Kobe Bryant. No, no, not at all. But I think a lot of that is coaching because. Without, without Phil Jackson, does does Kobe have five championships? I I don't think he does. I I really don't because he he wants to win so bad and he's so selfish that he would have scared a lot of people away. And I I don't I honestly think that he would not have five championships. 
So what do you think about upper management, general managers, the Cavs just fired their general manager? Uh, do you th- why do you think that happened, or have you heard? Well, I think it's it might be a move towards toward a new start, maybe, because there's rumors of Jimmy Butler from the Bulls possibly being traded in a multi-team trade to the Cavs or Paul George, but Paul George said that in 2018 he's when he exercises his free agency that he's exclusively would like to play for the Lakers. And I've also heard people say that LeBron would join the Lakers, but I really don't think he will. I think he'll finish his career. Yeah, I don't think LeBron will leave Cleveland. But, I mean, he has done it before, so he might go where the limelight is, but at the same time, if he joins the Lakers, that's the Western Conference. I don't think he'll leave the Western or leave the Eastern Conference. But whatever Dan Gilbert is doing, I'm sure that it has to do with trying to defeat Golden State. Yeah, from from the top down, from his general manager to his coaching staff to his players, all of that. And I, people don't people don't get that. In order for you to win a championship, all of the pieces have to be there, and you can't you can't just say, "Oh yeah, well you're gonna pick the players and you're gonna serve the hot dogs," and you know you can't do that. It, it's every piece has to be right there, and everything has to be timed just right. So a lot of people have been complaining. The main issue with the Warriors this season winning the championship is that. Other teams will want to build super teams. You're talking about Paul George going to the Lakers, uh, you know, possibly courting other players like Carmelo Anthony to come to the Lakers. Uh, on top of there being a lack of superstars in the NBA right now and the fickle market of Los Angeles never wanting to have a down season, uh, do you think you'll see more super teams over the next two years? Or do you think people will try and develop more in house talent? Uh, like you're saying, Kyrie Irving, uh, or, uh, you know, not really a, uh, a superstar, but his stats are there because, you know, he plays with LeBron. Yeah, well, he he's a superstar in his own right. He, when LeBron was in Miami, he was still the leader of that, he was the leader of that team, no doubt about it. He was, th- there was multiple games where he was putting up 50 or 60 points because he, he had to, but... Uh, I absolutely think, yes, people, organizations will chase this super team idea because the the talent is so much more, so much better than it was like when Jordan played. Because a lot of people argue that even though Jordan was dominant. He played in a watered-down era. There was not a widespread talent across the league like there is today. Yeah, but you could say that about any sport over the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, everything's gotten better. Medical technology's gotten better. You know, they can take part of your ear and rebuild your knee now. (laughs) Whereas, you know, in the era of Jordan, the, you know, the medical technology, you know, 
Tom Brady sleeps in magnetic pajamas to help with inflammation, you know. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't have that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's funny. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> nitrogen cooling baths. You know, almost every team uh, on the collegiate level, at least, has removed. I know uh, Alabama, for sure, has removed their soak tanks and put in cryo tanks. Yeah, because those it like fights inflammation and uh, joint pain and stiffness, soreness. Yeah, you're talking those, like, where they stand in it, it's like, negative 300 degrees yeah, or whatever the nitrogen yeah. tanks yeah, and they stand in them for like 10 minutes that's crazy but i haven't seen like lebron lebron james wears those like it's like a wrap it's like a big wrap michelin man soup thing yeah and that's how he spends his nights after his games he sits, sits in it for like an hour and it just and people take care of their bodies a lot better than they well that's exactly the point i mean i remember being in high school football and you know you walked into the locker room and it looked like a pharmacy. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you take muscle relaxers and painkillers pain before every game. And we played Division One football in the state of California, so it was a very competitive league. A lot of those guys are in the NFL now. Mark yeah. Sanchez, a couple other guys. Yeah. And, you know, you go back to those same schools we played against, Mission Viejo where Mark Sanchez played, uh, Edison where a couple other guys in the NFL played. I mean, they all have cryo tanks now. Yeah, I mean, so you're taking these professional level athletes and you're teaching them how to be professional level athletes in high school, so the learning curve has come down quite a bit as well. Yeah, well, it, it it's a lot farther reach, and it, it it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be crazy to assume that it would even reach the junior high level soon. If if it if we focus on athletics that close that. Like someone says in the fifth grade, they want to be the next LeBron James, and it'll be that easy for them. You know, like just, oh, we'll just put you in this school right here, and it's got all of this equipment, and have fun. You know, and then they have the best coaching staff and all this. But anyways. So what about Kevin Durant shooting his mouth off about Kyrie Irving being better than Allen Iverson? We'll see. I got I got to watch watch AI, and he was he was awesome. Don't say AI. Why not? Because that's terrible. <laughs> that answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I got to watch him play when I was real young, and I liked watching him play because he was gritty and determined. And the only thing I'll say that I notice is different between him. And Kyrie is Kyrie is not an above the rim finisher. Allen Iverson used to love to dunk on kid, on people, and he's tiny. He would no problem jump up and dunk on the big guy, or get a rebound above the rim and put it back. And he was definitely more physical, to where Kyrie is a better, much better ball handler. He's does more tricks with the ball. And and he he's better at misdirection, where Allen Iverson only has his crossover, which killed people in the day in its day. I mean, he you don't just cross up Michael Jordan, you don't do that, and he he absolutely did it and destroyed it, and people praised him for that, and it worked for years. And even the head coach of the Cavs now. He played against Allen Iverson in the finals, 
and crossed him up and put him on his butt and then stepped over him after he made the shot. And I don't know that he's better than Allen Iverson, but I'd say he's there. Like, he, he's he's in good company. So to clarify, is Kevin Durant talking about Kylie Irving on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast, I think, on uh, Monday or last week sometime. Okay. Uh, later, Durant clarified that he didn't mean it as a knock on Allen Iverson to ESPN. I think the comparison could be made, but it's it's hard. It's similar to apples and oranges, like you're saying. They're two different players. Yeah. Um, it's hard to compare also, you know, a six-year career being in the NBA versus almost a 16-year career for Allen Iverson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I personally think he wouldn't have caught nearly as much grief if he would have just described Kyrie as having a lot of potential and saying he has the potential to be a great player in the league along the lines of guys like Allen Iverson or whatever. You know, I think uh, if he would have maybe put a little more spin on it or a little more finesse, he wouldn't have caught as much, you know, as much flack for it. But we can't all Monday morning quarterback everything everyone says, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. You ever said but something you didn't want to take back immediately? You know, <laughs> words coming out of your mouth, you're like, oh! You know, yeah, so. yeah. No, but it, I, I would say that he – he could reach that level. He could be he he's he could be a Hall of Fame player. Oh, for sure. But right now, with him playing with LeBron James, it it might hurt his legacy a, li- a little because of the greatness of LeBron. But uh, uh, hold on a second. Okay, sorry about that. Dang fire inspector people are in my house for, for about fifteen seconds. A little weird. But uh, anyways, what were we talking about? Well, we were talking <laughs> about Kyrie Irving, but uh, how about we move on to the biggest news in sports, Conor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather there. Go ahead. All right. Do your take on it so I can uh, abolish you. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, I think I think that Mayweather Mayweather has been the best defensive boxer. In history, to my knowledge, he, you know, nobody, nobody knocks him down. Nobody lands knockout punches on him. And I think he, I think he'll do what he does best in this fight, which is defense. Now, I don't, will he go on the offense? I, I I doubt it. He won't, I don't think he'll put together a string of five, six, 10 punches in a row where Conor McGregor's just defenseless. I don't think that'll happen. I think Floyd Floyd Mayweather will be scared and play defense. And McGregor, him being excited, he's a smart fighter, but with the stage, which I'm sure he can handle, it might be a little bit bigger than he's used to, but I think he'll be excited and he'll come out in the first couple of rounds punching and punching and it'll be it'll be interesting to see because he I I think he might get excited and maybe waste a lot of his energy in the first five rounds if it goes five rounds because and and he, he might shock the world like he says he's going to I mean the only thing I the only thing I want to see with this whole thing is a good fight. 
mean, if I spend a hundred bucks on it, if I decide to, I want I want it to go at least six rounds. I mean, you don't want it to be like a Tyson fight where you buy pay seventy five bucks for it and it, it lasts twelve seconds. You know what I mean? But Conor McGregor's done that before. He knocked out Jose Aldo in twelve seconds or thirteen seconds. So we'll see. I mean, that's that's the only thing I expect out of this. But I don't think I don't think he gets a knockout on Floyd Mayweather. If he hands him a loss, then yeah, biggest story in the last ten years in boxing, absolutely. But at the same time, Floyd has great defense. So I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Well, for me, you know, this fight with all the hype and everything, and Dana White, you know, Dana White is a smart businessman, and on top of that. And this is a gamble. McGregor is the most dynamic fight fighter in UFC right now. You know, I think that this is a play for boxing fans. You know, Dana White doesn't make this fight with at least one or two avenues to win at. You know, my concerns are, you know, that that the fight is either fixed or semi-fixed or a setup. You know, a lot of people regarded that Pacquiao fight as just a money grab, you know, between the two. I would agree with that. And McGregor is a super dynamic fighter. And there are reports of, you know, people in the arenas when he fights, you know, saying that his punches resonate throughout the arena. And, you know, it's one of those things like uh, Mike Tyson says, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) Uh, But he is going up, like you said, against one of the greatest defensive boxers at all time. Um, You know, if it's a true fight and a straight fight, I, I don't see it not being a good fight. Um you know, other other fighters have a hard time even getting a glove on Mayweather. So when he does get hit, you know, he keeps his eyes open, which takes an insane amount of training. Uh, you know, as far as his cardio, you know, Mayweather's known for, you know, money Mayweather. He'll be out all night in Vegas, and then he'll he'll jog home down the Vegas Strip. So his conditioning is probably – Probably a step or two above McGregor's. Oh, easily. I, McGregor's conditioning has been issued in uh, UFC fights. Yeah. So, well, I noticed that. Um, I watched one of those when I was in high school. I watched the uh, Mayweather Marquez fight, and they do the whole before the fight pr- promos or whatever, where they do the they go to both training camps and they show, and he he does uh, three a days. Starting at 4 a.m., get up, he'll go for like a five-mile run, and then at, eat breakfast, and then cup, wait a couple hours, go to the gym, do rope training, and then at, to end the day with um, boxing and defense. And he does it every day until the fight, or, and, until like a week before the fight. And that's just an insane regimen. I, <laughs> I don't know how you would. I think the difference, too, is, you know, Floyd Money Mayweather. That's that's his nickname, you know. His attitude, you know, if you can kind of see through it, there's definitely a excellent boxer wrapped in a smart businessman. Oh. He he talks all the shit, you know, and he, he brags himself up. He makes these fights bigger than they are so that he can make those $100 million pay-per-views. Yeah. Well, Whereas I think McGregor has more of a – I would say honest or true attitude about himself where he does think he is the greatest fighter and he can do anything. And it's this, 
I don't want to say arrogance, but maybe a hubris uh, for McGregor that hopefully doesn't come to back to bite him in the ass. Because honestly, I would love to see the UFC grow bigger and bigger. You know, boxing is a worldwide sport right now, whereas UFC is maybe a semi-worldwide sport. Brazil, Russia, you know, these countries that have big-name fighters and stuff like where that. M- where MMA is a big deal, yeah. Yeah, you know, Japan has pride. They have kickboxing. Kicks, kickboxing is a much bigger deal in Japan. But, uh, you know, they bought uh, – UFC bought pride uh, kickboxing. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, the thing that you have, the UFC is fighting right now is, you know, getting these fights made. Too many people are not getting the weight cut. You know, or they look terrible doing it. Yeah. And I think what they need are more fighters. They need more people, you know, in the sport. I know everybody says, oh, there's a million no-name fighters. And that's true, but they need more developed fighters. And you can get that in boxing, you know. There's a lot of guys in UFC that are straight boxers. Yeah. Well, like, uh, the problem with UFC, like you say, with people not making weight, I think – I think a lot of that has to do with the grind of it because they, you know, they, they train really hard when they're hungry fighters trying to get to the UFC and you could, uh, you could say that some of them even get a little bit lazy and, um, I don't, not to necessarily pick on anyone, but one fighter that I've never liked that won the ultimate fighter was that, uh, Roy big country Nelson. I don't know if you know, He's a fighter, and he's he, he's got a huge gut on him. I don't know how he, you know, and he's heavyweight, obviously, but I've n- I don't watch his fights. I've seen a couple of his um, like highlight films, and none of them none of them are in grappling. None of none of them are by submission. It's all knockouts, and that kind of hurts the sport. I think. Yeah, I mean, you want guys that can stand up and fight no doubt about it but you want guys that can fight on the ground too and make it a good fight you want somebody somebody that can be on their back and then all of a sudden boom they won the fight and you don't know how it happened until you watch the you know watch the highlight film or the well re- everybody loves a knockout <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> yeah. no one wants to see someone go 10 rounds and point out in submission holds and arm bars you know, everybody wants to see a flying knee to the face that breaks some guy's eye socket, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of the problem. You know, UFC is still kind of in its infancy. They, they're they still a developing organization, even though they just got sold for billions of dollars. <laughs> but, you know, in the early days of UFC, you know, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. You could wear a shoe. You could wear a one boxing glove. You know, you could yeah. wear whatever you wanted. And so it's still kind of a developing sport. Um you know, Joe Rogan, the great UFC commentator and UFC genius there, you know, his belief uh, listening to his podcast is that there should be a weight division every 10 pounds, whether you do it at fives or zeros or twos or whatever, hmm. but from 122 to 132 to a weight division. And that would give you more championships, you know, more title fights. Bigger cards. Like yeah, and you'd have more you'd have more fights and you'd you'd be able to keep people from cutting 10, 12 pounds to get into a weight division. Yeah. Now, you're still going to have that. You're still going to have, like, Conor McGregor where he fights in two weight divisions. But I think it'll eliminate 
everyone trying to get down from you know 135 to 120 or whatever and uh you know that's that was his thought on it is putting more weight divisions in and uh you know trying to cut back on people cutting weight you know and something that they've already done was uh letting people weigh in 72 hours is it 48 or 72 i think it's 72 hours before uh weigh in to make weight so you're not completely dehydrated you know if you weigh in an hour before the fight and you have to cut to make weight you're not drinking water you're not eating anything yeah and so you're completely dehydrated you know and so that was a smart move by them and you know who's to say maybe push that out four days you know whatever the doctors may think is best for for rehydration well and the fighters the fighters themselves should be a little bit more responsible for that too like your your camp your coaches your trainers whoever should be should be more on top of you for that because if you're if you're 10 pounds overweight before fight day i mean what did you do the whole time did you sit on a bench press and bench until you gain 10 pounds of muscle or you know you you have at least a at least a two months notice two week notice before a fight and you well they're professional athletes yeah. in any other sport you have to keep yourself in shape yeah you know everyone gave Shaquille O'Neal so much garbage because when he was playing in the NBA you know two months before the the games would start he would say well I have to lose 40 pounds and people would give him that same argument, you know, 15 years ago is, well, you're a professional athlete. Yeah. You should be in shape year round. Yeah. You know, and I think the sport that kind of epitomizes that most is football. But, you know, with these UFC guys, too, I guess one of the issues is you don't know who you're fighting. You don't know where you're fighting at. You know, if you uh, weigh 135 or whatever and someone in the 140 or 120, you know, weight class division starts talking shit on you on Twitter or whatever, you know, and you line up a fight in a division that's out of your weight class with somebody that does weigh 20 pounds lighter than you. Yeah. There's something to be said for staying in shape all the time, but also, you know, there is some flexibility, I guess, in that. Yeah. But it's, uh, it should be, I would think it would, it would be a standard in when you sign a contract with the UFC that you will, no matter which weight class you fight in, you you will maintain your you maintain your weight. If you say I'm a heavyweight, then you will stay at heavyweight, unless you say I want to fight this guy, and then you're given and a lot of time to lose the weight, s- say, and then you know it it should be like a pr- like a mid training camp requirement to check your weight and verify it. So that so that way, there there are more fighters making weight, and there won't be as many fines. Because I, I think I think a lot of that, a lot of the fines, is part of the reason why the purses aren't as big in the UFC. Is because fighters don't make weight and they get fined for it. Yeah. So, whatever they win, they just it just gets cut out of their purse. So. So what do you think for this fight? Make some predictions on this fight. Do you think it'll be a knockout either way? Uh no. I don't. I think if if Floyd has his way and he plays defense, this fight goes this this fight goes the distance. And it will be a decision for Floyd Mayweather. 
solely solely from a defensive. Now, if if somehow he breaks out of his defensive stance or his defense and decides to go on the offense and starts attacking him for a couple of rounds, like if he attacks him in rounds three, seven, and nine, it might be a different fight. But I I think I I I will say that it goes the distance with a Mayweather decision. So, if you're Dana White, do you tie Conor McGregor's shoelaces together for the next two months to make sure he doesn't lift his foot above his knees? Well, I don't know that Dana White goes to Ireland to train with Conor McGregor. Well, but Conor McGregor's living in California now, isn't he? I don't I don't know. I, last I knew he was training in Ireland, but oh. he could be living in California, I guess. If he does that, then if Dana White wants to try and hold that guy down and tie his legs together go for it that'd be a that'd be something to see on the internet so you're you're thinking a floyd mayweather decision huh yeah it goes the distance i'm gonna put my money on mcgregor just because i don't i haven't heard anybody saying that mcgregor has a chance in this fight i would agree with that most people most people say that they that he doesn't just because he he's a mixed martial arts fighter and he focuses on so many different disciplines that boxing is not at the top of it. You know, he might focus more on grappling for a fight or more on kicking for a fight. Whereas F- Floyd, that's all he does, boxing and footwork. That's all he's done since he was 18, 19 years old when he started fighting. And that might be a disadvantage. Well, I don't have any money on it. <laughs> I'm gonna go with McGregor, <laughs> just solely for so, solely for the entertainment aspect. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. We could talk about Josh Allen, University of Wyoming quarterback, projected to go number one in next year's draft already. And to me, it seemed like it was out of nowhere. Oh, time to wrap it up. Okay. We'll just wrap it up with the Josh Allen thing. Um, He was immediately after this 2017 draft, somebody did the, um, the 2018 mock draft. And Josh Allen's name was the first one up on the screen. And I was watching that. I, I couldn't believe it. Because I think he'll be the first Wyoming player to go number one overall ever in the NFL draft, I think, if that happens. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. He's one of my favorite players, no doubt about it, being a Wyoming football fan. But uh, we'll just have to see how this season goes because depending on how this season goes, he might drop down in prospect. But according to a lot of people, he's the number one quarterback in the draft class. Do you think it's a lack of qualified quarterbacks currently in the NFL that's going to push him to number one, or do you think it's his strengths as a quarterback? I think it's it might be the weakness of the class of quarterbacks in college right now. He might be the best quarterback in college football because, to my understanding, there's a lot more running backs and wide receivers in this class, this 2018 class, and they are more focused on that than quarterbacks. But who knows where he'll end up? I guess we'll find out. But uh, 
maybe we'll touch more on that on the next podcast because I'd like to do some more story research. Yeah. Get well, I mean, just looking at Josh Allen's uh, stats and everything, he's got good size, good stats. But honestly, it's the difference between go-kart racing and stock car racing. You know, <laughs> the NFL is a different beast than college. Yeah. You know, and in college, you have, you know, one or two all-stars on each team. And, you know, if you don't have a star cornerback going up against a star wide receiver, Josh Allen can throw the ball all day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always a gamble, too, with quarterbacks, especially because of the confidence and attitude inherent in that job. You know, you're leading the team and you're you're calling plays and, you know, you are the captain of the team on the field. So I think the best thing for him to happen would be to get plucked by a seasoned team that has a quarterback and able to watch and learn from the sidelines for at least a season. You know, there are a few freaks in the NFL that walk out on the field and smash it right off the bat. Um, but if you look at guys like uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, he was great the first season, you know, pretty good the second season. And then after that, it's kind of, yeah, you know, and that goes back to, you know, anytime you're off the field activities or more, more in the public eye than you're on the field activities, you know, there's going to be issues. But uh, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, we can definitely talk about it next time because it's, uh, it's looking like he's going to be pretty high up there. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe if uh, we have, people listen to this podcast maybe we can get him to come here and be on the podcast with <laughs> us. <laughs> well i think he's in california right now yeah. for the summer that's <laughs> where he's from so oh well that, that's also something to talk about uh <laughs> how come every every quarterback seems to be from middle of central california <laughs> yeah 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 that a kid can dream though right yeah <laughs> i guess if you're in that uh south of san francisco basin and you want to be an nfl quarterback there's probably a pretty good freaking chance so oh yeah yeah well yeah let's wrap this up okay oh that's gonna do it for us um as always hit us up on facebook if you want to be a guest on the show uh send me a message to the sports talk fan page uh it's just uh facebook uh at sports talk with tyler or you can uh leave us a message on soundcloud uh same name but uh, that's going to do it for us, and we'll see you later. Thanks for having me.